0: Well given my announcement last week of my going into retirement for obvious reasons if you heard that announcement or you're hearing it for the first time today you'll understand that I have been thinking a lot about how to say goodbye and to do it well you know sometimes people just say bye eh, I think it needs a little more than that. I need to say goodbye and say it well. How do I say how much I love you and appreciate you while also in the same breath saying that I need a much slower lifestyle? Honestly, the only way, with all sincerity, is that I really need to do this for my own health and my own well-being. In leading me to this decision, God is not, not negating anything about our 10 years together. But I believe it is more an honoring of all that we have shared with each other during that time. The weddings, the funerals, the baptisms, the joyous times, the sad times. Yeah, we've, we've gone through a lot together. And if I have failed you at any time, I want you to blame it on uh, uh, the never-ceasing pain and the memory loss that has come with it, and I ask you to please forgive me. One of the ways I have been thinking about this is to consider how Jesus said goodbye to his friends. This is apropos to the season of Easter, which could be renamed the season of Jesus's goodbye. Jesus is risen from the dead and will be ascending back to his place at the right hand of the Father in heaven after a short period. And in our liturgical calendar, this season is the season of Easter. We take 40 days to observe the process of Jesus moving from the way the disciples knew him in his earthly ministry to a new period of the proliferation of the good news of the resurrection and grace by his disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit. If it took Jesus 40 days to say goodbye It makes sense that we at least ought to give it a couple of weeks, huh? I began the announcement last week with gratitude. Gratitude to Father Mario, to all of you, and your patience with me. And I need to also remember to say thank you to Cardinal DiNardo, for allowing me to serve in the Archdiocese. There's a whole list of people that I ought to name, but I can't do it today. But i got to start with a few names, and one of those is Fred Clay. When I came here ten years ago, I had celebrated one Mass as a Catholic priest. And that was from the order that is used by our ordinariate. To say it another way, I had never celebrated Mass from the Missal. And Fred was patient and gentle. And every time something new would pop up in the liturgy, I'd say, okay, now what do I do? Okay. Okay. I thank you. I thank you. You were very patient with a rookie priest and I'll never forget it. I also need to thank John Winselowitz. I worked with John very closely in the education process, the adult English education of the parish. And all I can tell you is that uh, he would ask me start a new class, and he'd have five ideas about what that class ought to look like, and he'd have at least three or four different processes laid out, and he'd lay out the calendar and everything, and then it was time to actually start, and he'd have the video ready, and he'd have the books and the Bibles and the sign-up sheets and the cookies and the coffee, and I watched you all, basically, you were just worried about the cookies and the coffee. But that's okay. John consistently, whether we were doing it face to face, in person classes, or whether we were doing it by Zoom, he always worked diligently to make me look good, and I appreciate that so very, very much. John worked well behind the scenes. And then just one other person I want to mention, and that's Ann Bennett when Fred was no longer in the employ of this church, uh, Father Mario assigned Anne to be the sacristan, and she has done a yeoman's job. She didn't have 30-some years of uh, Catholic priest experience to draw from, so there were a few little gaps from time to time, but for the most part, Anne was very diligent and having everything prepared for me as I came in to do the liturgies day in and day out, week in and week out. And I thank her so very much. I'm grateful to God for this period of growth and faith that together we have shared. You have been a blessing to me and to my family. And I am so very grateful for all of you who have reached out to me this last week and and shared that my priesthood and my ministry with you has blessed you as well. I told folks a number of times, I'm not dying, folks. (laughs) Okay? Well, we all are dying, okay? Step by step, yeah, eventually. If I step out in front of a bus, uh, a little more quickly. But I'm not dying, I'm just retiring. And as I told Father Mario, let's give Father Steve 90 days to get settled in here, and then, you know, put me back on the list of priests to call when the need arises. You know, it's it's basically a website called Hertz Rent-A-Priest. Uh, it's all good, it's all good, but not not in the first 90 days. Let Father Steve get settled. Uh, and then I said, after that, put me back on the Rolodex. Now, if you're young, you have no clue what a Rolodex is. You need to seek out somebody that's got a little bit of gray hair here or here. here um, and ask them, What was he talking about? They were really kind of cool in those days. But, you know, ask somebody about a Rolodex. I know how hard goodbyes are, yet goodbyes are a celebration of all the things that we have been through together. But there's two things that I, I pray that you will remember from these 10 years that I love you, and that God loves you. In the end, that's all that's important. I love you, each and every one of you, and God loves you. So now I want to turn to today's gospel for just a minute. We have all traveled the road to Emmaus. In one way or another, at some time, we have all had our hopes, and our dreams dashed, okay? That's what this story is really about. It's when your hopes and your dreams seem to not come true. We are the disciples on that road to Emmaus. Christ joined us on the road, whatever our road was at that time, and He opened the Scriptures if we were willing to listen so that we could see our cross or our dashed hopes and dreams taken up into the greater plan of god we asked christ to spend oh, an evening with us and then we recognized him in the breaking of the bread now we too can say the lord has indeed been raised. We know Christ is present with us. Christ is not just present. When he's present, he transforms us. He renews us and recreates us just as he restored hope and joy once again to those disciples on the road to Emmaus i got to tell you one short story. When I was still an Anglican priest, I was a very young one then too. Hard to believe. Um, a Catholic priest who was a monk left the order, left the priesthood, married a nun. You heard about some of that happening in the in the 70s. And then became an Episcopalian and then was made an Episcopal priest and he joined us at the staff of the cathedral in Oklahoma City. Now I have to tell you, Patrick was the smartest man in the room. He was the smartest man in any room. And if you don't believe that, just ask him. Because he would be very happy to explain to you why that was true. Well, he was a great Linguistic scholar. And so on the rotation, and it was the third Sunday of Easter of 1978, he was to preach on this particular gospel lesson. And right up front, he explained to the congregation that it was not a it was pronounced a mouse. Well, there were a whole lot of very hearing-impaired, gray-haired ladies in the back of the church. They never quite understood what he was saying except that he preached for the next 20 minutes on a road to a mouse. I said at the, at the first Mass this morning, uh, if Sandy Russell was in the crowd, and I said, Sandy... Remember, for you, the road to a mouse is straight down I-10 to Jacksonville, Florida. Take a right, and it's down in Orlando. That's your mouse, and that's your road. It's a mess. Let me talk a minute now about that candle that's burning right there in the center of the church during this season of Easter. It reminds us that this happened once again Christ's resurrection in our lives in a special way during the Easter Vigil or the Sunday morning Masses, whichever you preferred. We see the dashed hope of the disciples on the road to Emmaus in the five red grains of incense that are placed in that candle. We also see that Christ is present in two letters an alpha and an omega in the Greek language the first letter of the alphabet and the last because he is the beginning and the end suffering and dashed hopes and crosses my friends are not the last word in the family of Jesus The resurrection of Christ has the last word. It is the Omega. And the light burning at the top of that candle is the light of Christ, brightening our lives. And that is Christ's last word. What a difference the presence of Christ makes in the lives of those two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus that day, before meeting Christ on the road, they were heading away from Jerusalem. And their eyes were downcast, and they had been hoping for the redemption of Israel, and they'd put all their hopes and dreams in this man named Jesus. Well, they stopped their journey because the day was almost over. But after meeting Christ... They did something very strange. They jumped up and returned to where they had come from. They went straight back to Jerusalem. Eyes no longer downcast, but open, looking up. And instead of dashed hopes for the redemption of Israel, their hearts burned within them because they had met the one who was, who was humanity's redemption, their redemption even though they had stopped the journey when nightfall approached. Now in the dark of the night, they turned around and went straight back to Jerusalem as fast as they could. That is the difference that the presence of Christ makes in their lives and in our lives. That is the difference that Christ can make in our lives when we focus on Him instead of the negative and the difficulties, the pain, the sickness the disease, the aging process, all the things that come to all of us. We encounter Christ every time we celebrate the Mass, the Eucharist, just as the two disciples did on that road to Emmaus. The Scriptures are proclaimed. That's what we've just been doing from these books up here. All these books. we got more books and we can say grace over. We have been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And I'm trying to do the best I can in the light of Christ to explain what those scriptures are truly about. Prayerfully and hopefully our eyes are opened to a new way of looking at reality through the word of God. We recognize Christ in the breaking of bread, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I don't know in years to come how you'll remember me, but I do pray to God that you remember. Oh yeah, He was the one who believed with every fiber of His being that Jesus is at the heart of the Eucharist. Not a symbol, not a, well, sort of, kind of, no. Jesus. This does not mean that Christ is not present in other ways to us because in the first reading we see Christ also present in the ministry of his apostles. But the real presence means that Christ is present in the very fullest sense in the Eucharist. He is substantially present in His body, His blood, His soul, and His divinity. God in Jesus is going to put Himself in your hands. Think about that for just a moment. The creator of the universe is going to place himself in your uprised hands or on your tongue. You know, we have all traveled that road to Emmaus at some time or other. We've all had our dreams broken, our hopes dashed. Things just didn't work out exactly the way we would hope. But what a difference the presence of Christ makes in our lives. Our eyes are opened to a new way of looking at reality by the word of God. We recognize the presence of Christ at the heart of the mass. Christ is not just present. But as I said before, when he's present, he begins work on us. He transforms us, us, renews us, and recreates us just as he restored hope and joy once again in those disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. Amen.